Awareness, the final frontier. These are the explorations of Jonathan Robinson and Brian Tom O'Connor. Their continuing mission, to discover fresh new paths to the mystery within, to seek out new joys and new methods of awakening, to boldly go into the heart of expanded consciousness. This is Awareness Explorers. Welcome back, Awareness Explorers. It's really great to have you here listening to us blab about the most important things in life. I'm Jonathan Robinson, and I'm here with my trusty co-host, Brian Tom O'Connor. And uh, this should be a fun show, Brian, an unusual topic. I am thinking of it just kind of in a funny way as our pets our new form of gurus. Uh, what can we learn from our pets, our cats, our dogs, even birds? And when I bring up this subject of how much there is to learn about life from the animals around us, uh, what comes to mind for you? Oh, I think there's absolutely so much that we can learn um, from animals. Uh, they seem to live in the moment much, much more than we do. I, I have had cats uh, when I was growing up. Our family always had a cat, and, uh, and I love dogs. Um, a lot of neighbors have dogs. And, uh, and I don't know that much about birds and hamsters and stuff like that, but animals are amazing. They really don't seem to hold grudges. They seem to live in the moment. They seem to be able to interact in a very honest way that sometimes we humans can't. And the other, I also think that we actually have language. The one main difference between pets and us is, is language. And it's the language that enables us to weave all these stories in our head about all the problems with reality as it is that sort of leads us down the wrong path. And maybe we can, look to our pets to see, well, how do they treat problems and obstacles? You know, when we, when we go to gurus, we go to be inspired and to learn certain lessons and maybe some techniques. And it really struck me that in a very big way, my dogs are my teachers because they have all these natural abilities that I don't, such as living in the moment, loving unconditionally, living spontaneously with what they feel like doing. If they feel like taking a nap, they take a nap. And having a being who you live with, who's demonstrating all these qualities, can be a real blessing if you uh, look to them as teachers. But in society, a lot of times we think, well, we're the highest on the food chain. We're the most evolutionarily evolved. But I like to look at it differently, that every being has something to teach us. And our pets definitely have a lot of qualities that we have lost and re really need to regain. And they are in our hearts and in our homes to teach us these things. And I'm very blessed to have two dogs, golden retrievers. And one of them was so happy that I actually wrote a novel based on what she was trying to teach me, conversations with dog. 
which uh, of course is a play on the on the book Conversations with God. And it was really fun to try to get into her head and have a conversation with her as to what she would want to tell me. Have you ever had a, a relationship with a pet where you felt like you were getting real communication between the two of you? Absolutely. I definitely feel that pets communicate directly. I've never heard a pet talk, but that doesn't mean that there isn't direct communication. I think that body language and sounds and movement and, and eyes can say so much. And while we're on the subject, I just finished reading Conversations with Dog, and I, and I loved it, and I can't wait to ask you more about it. Um, but before we do, I don't want to leave out the cat lovers in our audience. Yeah. And uh, I, I came across a couple of quotes about cats that I thought were really appropriate to, to our topic today. Ernest Hemingway said, a cat has absolute emotional honesty. Human beings, for one reason or another, may hide their feelings, but a cat does not. And I found that to be really true. And, and it's amazing. Like, a cat is not going to pretend anything. If it's interested in you, it will show it. If it's not, if it doesn't want to be petted right now, it walks away. It has no concern that it's going to hurt your feelings or anything like that. Another great quote uh, from Jean Cocteau. I love cats because I love my home, and little by little they become its invisible soul. And I think that is true of dogs as well. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The, the cat informs your home. It, 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 it inspirits uh, your home. The other thing is when I watch cats, they can be incredibly still, and they can focus on one thing for a really long time. And it's an amazing quality that very few animals have. And it's, it's really a, a marvel to watch. And one more thing about cats that I was researching for this episode, and I read that cats create purr vibrations within a range of 20 to 140 hertz, which apparently is known to be medically therapeutic for lots of conditions like high blood pressure, heart disease, and stress. But it's dogs that seem to embody unconditional love, which is very much the theme of your book. So how did you come to write it? I mean, did you actually, I mean, in the book, there's the, its lead character. It's a novel. It's not, not, not autobiographical. In the, in, the, in the book, the lead character hears his dog talk to him. Yeah. Not necessarily aloud, but almost mind to mind. Mm -hmm. How did you come up with that? Is that similar to an experience you really had? Well, it is. You know, one time, uh, just to be perfectly frank, I was on some chemical <laughs> and I was looking at my dog and she was just staring at me often as she might when she wants some food. You know, the, the, the doggy mind meld, uh, get me some food or I want to walk or whatever it is. And I started to really get a sense of what she was trying to tell me and had her point of view. And it's kind of started an imaginary dialogue with her. You know, like, so tell me, Sophie, what would you like to tell me? And 
what I heard in my head was, I'd like to play. What are you doing in front of that screen all day? Let's play. <laughs> and then I kind of said out loud, naturally, well, you know, I got a bunch of stuff I need to do. And, you know, there's a lot of responsibilities I have. And she would have none of it. It was like, nothing's more important than play. Nothing's more important than love. Let's go outside, for God's sakes, you know. And it kind of went on from there. And I started to watch how she is, you know, very natural. She asks for affection when she wants it. You know, if something's bothering her, she tells you. Uh, she, you know, if she's tired, she naps. Um, she doesn't hold grudges. She's affectionate. She's playful. And I realize these are a lot of traits that I would like to instill in myself. So the book started from this. And it became kind of like a teacher-student book where she takes him on adventures and teaches him how to enjoy life again. And it was just so much fun. It brought me closer to my dog. And then when I, I actually hired one of these animal communicators, people who supposedly can, can talk to pets. And um, she came over to the house and she translated for Sophie. And... She said, uh, yeah, this is what the dog's trying to tell you. And, and it was very interesting. So uh, the first pic, I have a bunch of funny pictures in the book, but one of them is this uh, dog looking at you very directly. And it says, dogs do speak if you stop to listen to them. Yes. So... It was really fun. Actually, the book is um, doing surprisingly well. Uh, I just checked, and, and it's like on the bestseller list in England. Uh, and it's a fun read because, you know, really, I think pets are our best way of feeling unconditional love. You know, when you're with a romantic partner, there's always a little baggage. There's always a little something. Same with parents or kids. But with pets, there does seem to be this very pure love. I remember a couple of years ago, I was going to uh, Burning Man, the big festival in the Nevada desert. And they have this temple there where everybody puts up pictures and letters of people and pets that have died in the last year. So I was going around reading these. And when it came to the letters people wrote to parents or lovers who had died, there was always a, well, I really appreciate you, but, you know, the time you pissed me off here, the time you did whatever, uh, that was hard on me. But when it came to the pet section, where people were saying goodbye to the pets, the, the love expressed was so pure and so deep that it made me weep just reading all of them. And, you know, that's a real gift that they bring into our lives on a daily basis. That's right. There seems to be something so uncomplicated about our, uh, our relationships with, with our pets. And I think that it's because there, there's just not a lot of story. I mean, the one quote, one of my favorite quotes, quotes that you that happy in your book says to the hero or to uh the narrator it's its name is matt as i recall mark 
uh, right? Mark. To Mark. Happy says, humans like to make up bad dreams in their heads. I don't get it. Why spend the time making up scary dreams? And I thought, wow, that really is profound. That is what we do. We're not experiencing reality directly. We're experiencing virtual reality. We're experiencing the scary dreams we make up in our heads. And then we insist that they're real. <laughs> right. Right, exactly. At one point in the book, um, Mark is talking to Happy and trying to explain to her all the things human beings have to deal with, like global warming and disease mm -hmm. and, and starvation and problems and etc. And Happy, the dog, says to Mark, I don't see any global warming here. I don't see any disease here. All I see is a really good person rubbing my belly. Life is good. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Actually, so, that's very Byron Katie. <laughs> yes, it is. Happy the dog went to Byron Katie's school for quite a while and, ah. and seemed to really embody it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the question is, what keeps us from learning from our pets? Because they are a living guru, if we have them in our homes. Mm -hmm. And yet, I think having a belief that they are just a dog or just a cat or just a bird keeps us from getting the lessons that are always being shown to us. I think that's absolutely right. And we, we put animals in general in a category separate from humans. And it, it was even assumed for many, many years by science, scientists and philosophers that animals don't have emotion, for example, as humans do. And I'm sorry, all you have to do is look. All you have to do is observe. All you have to do is interact. And you'll know that animals have genuine emotion. Uh, they genuinely communicate. Um, <laughs> I saw a video just the other day, you know, one of these silly YouTube pet videos. I say silly, but I actually love them. Um, a dog watching the animated version of The Lion King and mm. getting really upset at the tragic event. I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but I think everybody knows what happens. You know, I mean, it's like, it's watching the screen like, I can't believe this horrible thing is happening to this poor lion cub. <laughs> and right. I thought, you know, to think that they are somehow, um, because they're not in the same species, because that they're somehow inferior or less worthy of care, of love, and less capable of wisdom, I think it's just a mistake. And I think the antidote to that is observe without story and connect. Yeah. And if you observe, you'll see that they are much better at certain things than you are. Haha, uh -huh, yes. You know, they're, they learn from us, of course, but our job is to learn from them. And I think something that my dog 
Well, at the end of the book, I actually have a, a thing where I ask my dog, Happy, to give me 10 guidelines for living a good life. Mm -hmm. I thought I would just quickly read them and then talk about a couple of them because they're kind of cute. Uh, so here are Happy's 10 Commandments for a Joyous Life. Explore and enjoy whatever is in front of you in this moment. If we could do that, that would be pretty good. Yeah. Eat with gusto. <laughs> Love everyone you meet as long as they don't try to bite you. <laughs> Make sure you pee in lots of different locations. Play every single day and chew on things as much as you can. Whenever possible, take a nap. Ask directly for belly rubs and whatever affection you desire. Never hold a grudge. Each moment is new. Stop and smell the roses as well as everything else. And last but not least, greet those you love with great enthusiasm when they come home. You know, it's kind of like that old book, uh, Everything I Needed to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. Mm -hmm. Everything I Needed to Know I Learned from My Pet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes, there, there is such, uh, there, there's a lot of, of wisdom there. And, and it's true. I love, I love how, um, how pets are so happy to see you when you come home. Um, and, and it reminds me of something else that Happy said in your book. Um, it, it, was, it was about caring for other people. It was, it was about, um, let's see if I, I called can remember it, what it was. I called it the law of love. Yes. Those things you take care of is what you fall in love with. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Love comes from taking care of someone. So we can learn that by caring for our pets. And we do. I mean, one of the reasons we love them, if the, the law of love, as you stated, is correct, is that our caring for them creates our love for them. And if we care for other people the way we care for our pets, we can increase the love. You know, I am a, a marriage counselor by uh, mm -hmm. profession, and I often tell my clients that, you know, you care for your dog and cat, and you know that their needs are different than you, which makes the relationship often good. Not many people say, oh, man, I, I need to get a divorce from my dog or cat. You know, we've been <laughs> squabbling. That doesn't happen because right. we kind of understand what their needs are, and we supply them. But we don't necessarily do that in our relationships. You know, we assume that sometimes our partner uh, has the same needs as us, which isn't true. So like my dog uh, needs a walk every day for her to feel okay. Mm -hmm. So then the question is, well, what does the other species you might be living with, known as man or woman, Mm -hmm. need to feel okay. Right. And, you know, my friend John Gray wrote this book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. And it was so wise to realize that we are all different species. And the, the thing for us to do is what can we learn from those different, quote, animals, whether it be a man, woman, child, dog, or cat. Right. And it's very wise, I think, to, to ask the question, what, what do they need that may be different from what I need? 
you know, looking through their eyes. How does the world look to a dog, to a cat, to your husband or wife? We'll get into that in uh, today's meditation a little bit later. Oh, great. You know, I've always been a dog person, and I now have a, a good friend who's a cat person. So I now have a cat that I get to spend time with. Well, good. And I'm just opening to the wonders of cathoodness, because uh, <laughs> this cat is is her major teacher, her spiritual teacher. She considers uh, her cat in that way, and. So I asked her, like, what do you learn from her? And, you know, she said, well, a simple piece of yarn can be a toy for long periods of time. You know, she doesn't need more and more complicated stuff. Or just the way she's, her cat is taking care of her body by stretching and fully embodying her body. And I've been kind of taking that in, like when my dog or this cat are stretching, I use it as a reminder for me to stretch. Mm -hmm. And when they are clamoring at the door, waiting to go outside, I use it as a reminder, oh, well, maybe I need to do that. Because we kind of lose touch with our naturalness. And it's nice to have a natural being, one that is not locked up in stories, kind of seeing what they do. And as I started to imitate my dog, I did start to feel happier myself because I was getting closer to the moment, closer to what does my body really want to do at any given moment. Yes, and another thing I've noticed that what you said reminded me of this. When I observe cats and dogs, they give themselves fully to whatever they're doing at the moment, whether it be stretching or cleaning themselves or chasing or playing. You hardly ever see a cat or a dog or a bird multitasking. They're, <laughs> they're really focused on, on what they're doing right now and then before, before moving on. And, um, but I mentioned it earlier. I, I think that the stillness of a cat is absolutely amazing. And I think that's one of the reasons that people resonate with a sense of wisdom about them because there is great stillness in wisdom. I mean, there is great wisdom in stillness. Yes, Both are yes. true. <laughs> uh -huh. Very true. Um, let's see, I forgot what I was going to say. Well, it'll probably come to you, but I have uh -huh. a question in the meantime. Sure. Uh, I was fascinated uh, in the book by um, when you talked about, or when happy talked about the low road and the high road and the blue pill and the red pill and, and the difference between being self-righteous and angry and being loving. I was wondering if you would expand upon that a little bit. Yeah, if you remember the movie The Matrix where they, um, they ask uh, Neo, would you like the red pill or the blue pill? And the red pill kind of represents risk-taking or the high road and the blue pill, kind of the low road. And in a certain way, we're always being asked that in a lot of moments in life. When we face vulnerability and we don't cover it up, that's a little red pill. 
when we ask for affection, uh, that's a low vulnerability. That's a low red pill. Mm-hmm. And you can see dogs are often pretty good at being vulnerable in that way. And the question is, can we take those little red pills or do we have to always be distracting ourselves with screens and, and other protective measures that keep us from being who we really are? Yes, it does seem that, um, that when we are pretending or when we are um, not acting in a way that, that takes the other person's feeling into account, uh, that we're really not actually in, in reality. And uh, there was a wise guru in the past who said that when you're angry at something, there's something untrue that you're believing. Mm-hmm. And it, it reminded me of, of that. And the other thing that I found fascinating in the book is that the, uh, uh, the uh, leading character, Mark, uh, has a, sort of an enemy in the book or someone he doesn't like very much. And Happy loves this other person, even though that other person at one point in life was cruel to Happy and, and, and injured. And, and, and I, I found that remarkable because not only did happy feel that she didn't have to only love one person. She could love anyone she chose to love, but she could forgive as well and not hold a grudge. And that taught Mark a, a, an important lesson. And I think it, it, it can to us because there was one other thing that she said that's very germane to this. It, it was like, um, oh yeah, people are always doing the best they can at the moment. What is there to forgive? I thought that was really wise. Yeah, at one point, uh, Mark's trying to convince Happy that she should hold a grudge. Or, or <laughs> why don't you hold a grudge? And he said, well, right. he's not treating me badly now. Why, why, you know, why would I bring up the past? Right now, he's being very kind to me. And, and she says, How, why do you hold grudges? Like, what good does that do? And, and kind of puts uh, her owner on the defensive, like, well, you know, if somebody's treating you well in this moment, why would you hold the grudge of the past? That's ridiculous. And I like when um, you can see the world through another's eyes, whether it be a child or a pet, that a lot of what we do looks pretty funny. You know, mm-hmm. at one point, uh, she happy asks her, her owner, why do you sit in front of a light screen all day? That being a computer. And mm-hmm. he says, well, um, you know, this is how I, I get food for us and things like that. And she says, okay, well, why do you do it at night too? And he's explaining Facebook. And um, <laughs> he says, I, meet, I connect with friends on the light screen. And she says, oh, so, so Facebook is kind of like a fire hydrant, you know? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I remember that. What a wonderful analogy. You know, so... <laughs> We, we all really have a similar need or similar wants. And to see the animal kingdom, of which we are a part, you know, yes. we forget that. But we are animals, and it's when we try to get really far away from our natural animal instincts that we tend to get neurotic and a little crazy and, and start to get lost in grudges and 
vengeance and all the things that people sometimes do. Mm -hmm. And I have seen neurotic dogs and cats, um, yeah. but usually it's because they're around humans who, who are that way and, and, and mistreat them. But I've also seen, and I mentioned this on a previous episode, I've witnessed this. I've witnessed a dog who obviously had been abused by a previous owner um, and then landed up in a shelter. And this was the most frightened dog I've ever seen. Just couldn't bear any human being to come near it or touch it. And, and the love from the couple that became uh, his new owner, both of whom were therapists, by the way, um, transformed this dog into the mm -hmm. most outgoing, friendly, loving, charming dog you'd ever want to meet. So the other thing about pets is that they're, they don't seem stuck. Like we can, you know, we can take years to get over something. And um, yeah, they don't have the belief systems or BS for belief systems that we have that can keep them stuck. Yeah, I really think I really think it's about the stories. I think that's such a big difference. The stories that we weave about what happens to us that that they don't have and so therefore they're not perpetuating this belief system over and over again to keep them in in pain and keep them in grudges. Yeah. Reminds me of a fascinating conversation I had with a vet, uh, my previous dog named Rama. I called him Rama because uh, I, I felt like he was a Hindu god trying to teach me about love. Um, but when Rama got older, he had a about 80% of his liver taken out uh, due to cancer and such, and, which is very major surgery. A lot yeah. of dogs don't survive it. And he did survive it. And within like three days, he was up and running. And I said, you know, what's wrong? I mean, if, uh, if, uh, and the, the vet said, well, if a human had 80% of his liver taken out, you know, he probably wouldn't move for a couple of weeks, but dog is not concerned. They just had surgery. doesn't have a thought. Well, I just had 80% of my liver taken out. So, you know, he's in the moment and in the moment, if he feels like running, he feels like running. So, you know, it, it was really interesting. He said, most of humans suffering comes from them thinking about their illness, not how they feel in this exact moment. Right. Oh, so true. Now, I do have another thought, though, which is a little bit of a devil's advocate, uh, mm -hmm. which we often introduce into these, is that a pet, a household pet, doesn't have to hunt for food. Uh, they're given shelter, they're given food, if, as long as their owners are good and responsible. And so is this one of the reasons that they are so emotionally healthy or, uh, or is it the other way around is that they get cared for because, because they know how to love? I, I, well, I think it works both ways, uh -huh. but at one point happy does describe to Mark, he says, uh, I don't have to work. And he says, well, because I love, because love's my first priority, I'm taken care of. And then says to his owner, you should try it sometime. <laughs> Maybe if we, you know, I've known gurus that are very loving and in a way it has worked for them, you know, really loving beings. That, I know a few people who just really emanate love and every one of them I've seen is taken care of 
by life in some form, either yes. by their, their friends or their family or devotees or something. So I think it actually does work if you can get loving enough, life will support you in, in that endeavor. Yes, and it doesn't only uh, apply to loving other humans. It, it also applies to loving what you do, yeah. loving your, your work or your hobbies or your activities. Um, um, that creates an energy, and you start vibrating in a more harmonious way with the universe, I, I believe, and therefore it's more likely for, for, for good things to happen. The law of attraction really, that you, uh, the higher vibration, the more likely things are going to probably go well for you. Yes. Well, that's a whole other discussion. We might <laughs> have an episode. Topic. We might have an episode on that because there's a lot of um, different sides to that one. But basically, that's yeah, true. that's that's what I'm saying is, mm -hmm. is um, you know, when you know how to float your cork, you, you uh, know how to go with the flow. Yeah. So we're going to do a, um, a unusual guided meditation um, based on our pets, but I think we really answered it that pets can be the new gurus if we are fully open to receiving their messages. And I hope uh, if you have a dog, a cat, or some other animal in your world, that you look at them in that direction. And if you don't, find one. And uh, see if they can inspire you. And I hope you get the Conversations with Dog book um, and tell me what you think. Another thought I had is that someday we should do an episode in which people ask us any question they're curious about. You know, any of the big questions. And we will take an episode and answer questions that our listeners give to us so you can contact us through awarenessexplorers.com and we will take on any questions that you wonder about or are curious about. And if we don't know the answer, we will try to BS our way through it um, or, <laughs> or read up on it until we can come up with something. But uh, this is an exploration, not just for me and Brian, but for you too. And we hope we can be of service in that way. Well, I think that's a great idea. And yeah, I encourage you to go to the contacts page on awarenessexplorers.com and ask your question, but then be patient. We might have to wait until there are enough questions um, to make a whole episode before, before we uh, uh, undertake it. But um, yeah, it would be wonderful if we could do that. Yeah. So for this guided meditation, um, I'm going to ask you that if you have a pet that you currently love in your life, that you can focus on that uh, particular pet. And if you do not have a pet in your life now, then hopefully you can just choose one that you have felt close to uh, any time during your life. So make yourself comfortable and close your eyes if you can. And think of one specific pet, preferably dog or cat, but if you've been close to other animals, that's okay as well. And remember a time when you felt particularly close to this animal. 
perhaps you were playing or hugging them. If you had or have a nickname for this animal, you can say that nickname in your mind and heart while you imagine good times together. And just feel your love for this being. Imagine hugging them or holding them or doing anything that helps you to feel even closer to them. And feel your gratitude for having known this connection. Then I'm going to ask you to enter into your imagination and imagine that they can give you some kind of message that you need to hear that comes from their wisdom, from their attributes. What would this being want to say to you about how you can enjoy life even more? What might this pet want to say to you about how to enjoy your life even more? Take some time to listen. What other wisdom might they want to share with you? And hopefully you got something received. And now I'd like you to use your imagination to imagine becoming this particular animal. Just like a shaman gain into the soul, the body, the feeling of this particular being. Imagine you can enter into that vibration and feel what it feels like. Imagine walking around as this being relating to the world, feeling their nature. Imagine sitting outside, enjoying the sun's rays as this particular type of being. No thoughts or stories, just purely being in the moment in this animal body. Now imagine that this beloved pet 
sees you coming home and what that is like for them, seeing you after a time of separation. Try to get a sense of what this beloved pet feels about you or felt about you. How did they see you? Good. Keeping the energy, the soul of this pet in your heart as a teacher, you allow yourself to come back to your human body at your own pace. Feeling the animalness of being a human, a human animal. Taking with you what you can learn from pets and from the entire animal kingdom as a reminder of our natural state our natural presence. And when you're ready, take as much time as you need. You can slowly begin to come back and open your eyes. I get to watch the smile on your face as I guide these meditations, Brian. It, mm-hmm. it looked like the smile of my doggy when I was scratching her belly. <laughs> and it's funny that you mentioned that. I, I, I originally chose, I don't have a, a pet right now, and I originally chose a particular dog that was a pet of a friend, and a different dog kept coming in, and it was a dog I've only met twice in my life in the park but mm-hmm. i had such an intense feeling of connection with this pet i just remember thinking i love this dog and you know and it was a huge giant dog i mean it came up and uh-huh. put her paws on my shoulders <laughs> it was oh, that wow. big <laughs> but you know just so loving and friendly and open um and uh like a little saint dog. Like a little saint dog. And, it, and in, the, in your meditation, in case people are curious, it whispered in my ear, you don't need to feel separate from everyone else. Hmm. That's a great message. Yeah. Every morning I begin my day by kissing my dog on my dogs on their nose and telling them how much I love them. And it's a little ritual we have. Uh, and they love it too. And 
So if you have a pet, uh, see what you can learn from them and take care of them and they will love you back and be a very convenient living guru. And if you don't have your own pet, uh, do what Brian does and, and find little saint pets around uh, the city or wherever you're living. Sure. Befriend your friends' pets. And don't forget when you're in the park, look at the robins. Look at, you know, I mean, I happen to just, I don't know why, I just feel this intense connection whenever I see a robin in the park. I, I always, I'll be sitting really still and a robin will, will, will just land on the lawn in front of me and just be really still for a long time. As, you know, it's not looking for, it's not pecking around. It just would be yeah. really still. And I thought, wow, how unusual for a bird to be so still for such a long time. Hmm. Also, we have a little terrace here in New York City. And uh, morning doves, or sometimes called turtle doves, come in pairs and perch on our railing. Hmm. And just hang out there. And whenever they do, I feel this almost mystical sense of love and connection from these birds. I don't know if they feel it back, but, <laughs> but I feel it. Yeah. That, that's what's important. Mm -hmm. So uh, we always say to keep exploring and this is a whole area, new area of exploration. If it's new for you, for those of you who have explored the world of learning from one's pets, then once again, take it further. Keep exploring. Keep exploring. Thank you for listening to Awareness Explorers. To learn more, you can check out our website at awarenessexplorers.com. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. And we'd love it if you would post a review. And please share our link on Facebook and with family and friends. Because knowing yourself as awareness is the greatest gift you can give yourself or someone you love.